give you praise, Jesus, in this place as your people. We thank you for your presence here today with us. We thank you, Jesus. We rest completely secure on your word that promises us that you're the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. Our world changes all the time, church, but Jesus never changes, never, ever changes. No matter what the circumstances tell us, no matter what the experiences happen and come our way, Jesus never changes. Amen. Come on. Let's give him praise in this place. And then you can be seated. We're going to get into God's Word straight away this morning. Let's show our appreciation for our musicians. They do an incredible job serving us every week. You having a good week? Excited for what God's going to give us this morning? He is so faithful to bless us and to enrich us with his word. When he speaks to us, it's an enriching experience. I tell you something now, sometimes we go through situations in our lives that are very negative and they can be quite difficult. But what I find about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is that when he speaks to me, there's always something that's infused into my heart of life. There's, you always come away stronger You may come away stripped of all the burden. You may come away stripped of all the worry that you carried in. You may become stripped of all the anxiety, but you're left free. You're left empowered. You're left revived to go into everything that he's called you to go into. I tell you something now, if you're in need, Jesus, his presence will relieve you of that need. It's time to be expectant. It's time to believe. It's time to lay hold of the promises of God that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I've said this over the years and I will continue to say it. The Word of God declares that all the promises of God are yes and amen. They really are. So take hold of those promises. Lay hold of those promises. They're your inheritance. They're not just there to be uh, actuated and realized when we get into heaven. No, they are to be taken hold of whilst we are here on earth. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And there's nothing like the promises of God, the Word of God, connecting with your life experience and your emotional experience to give you abundant life. There really isn't. Peter tells us that we have been, all of us, we've been given great, exceedingly great and precious promises. Do you realize how rich you are? You know, it's easy to get caught up with life. It's easy to get sidelined and distracted and diverted from the purpose that God has for you. But when that happens, we've got to stop, stand still, and take hold of the Word of God. And that doesn't mean to say that you become a walking concordance. It doesn't mean to say that you have to recite all of the Bible in a moment. It just means to say that you stop... And you take stock of where you are and you say, oh God, 
I may have wandered, but please, Lord, again, would you speak to me? Again, would you come into this situation? Would you, would you be the navigator? Would you center my compass again, my compass of life, and point me in the right direction? And that prayer will get God's attention. That prayer will get God's uh, involvement. That prayer will enable you to be directed in your life on your course for him. And again, you'll begin to discover these great, exceedingly great and precious promises that Peter talks about. You know, God has never made a promise so that it remains hanging and looming over your life. He makes a promise so that you can take hold of it by faith. Makes a promise so that you can really see it unpack itself into your life. God's word, the Bible says, is powerful. It's living. It's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I mean, is that just going to stay on the page of my Bible and your Bible? Or are we going to lift it off by faith and see the power of it in our lives? I'm telling you now, I'm not satisfied for the promises of God just to sit on a page that I flick through every now and again. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. If I need healing in my body, there's a word for it. If I need finances because things are running low, there's a word for it. If I need, you know, strength and deliverance for my depression, there's a word for it. There's a word for every occasion that, that comes your way. There really is. And this is what gives us confidence. This is what enables us to look undaunted at life. To look and be feel, feel us in our, our, our way forward in the future. Listen, let's not cower back. Take hold of those great and precious promises. And you will be amazed. You will be amazed at the power of God's word. Amazed at the power of God's promise. Amazed at just a word, a line that he highlights to you. It will be a source of comfort, a source of strength, a feeding point for your hungry soul. We don't need more Sky TV, although it's nice to watch. Or Netflix or any other form of entertainment. All good in their place. Oh, but let there never be a substitute church for the word of God. Let, let, let there never be a substitute for the present help of the Holy Spirit. When you need a pickup, don't turn on the box or the sitcom. Go into the presence of God and, 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 and experience fullness of joy. And treasures at his right hands forevermore. The living word of God, the promises of God are yours. They're yours. Lay claim on them. Lay hold of that inheritance. He really wants you to do that. He really does. Not in some religious manner. You know, we used to have a young man here many years ago. And he was a lovely guy. And he had an incredible memory. An incredible memory. And you know, this young man could recite scripture Verses like I, I've never seen anybody be able to recite verses of the Bible like this young man. Incredible. And I used to greet him and welcome him. And, and you know, he'd begin pouring out these, these verses and, and, and pouring out this scripture. And I would stand there amazed. But you know what? When the test came, that recital stood for nothing. When the test came, when the hardships of life came, it was nothing more than a parrot fashion memory recital that he'd committed to his mind. It hadn't filtered down into the fabric of his life. It wasn't a living word. 
And it's important to recite the Word of God. It's important to meditate on it. But there's something that happens when the Word of God connects with your experience, where the Word of God becomes one with your emotions, and you remain unshaken, undaunted by anything that faces you. It's not about reciting thousands of verses and being a walking concordance and pointing everybody out, pointing everything out to everybody. No, it's about a living one-on-one experience with Jesus. Amen? Well, we're in this little series about prayer. We're talking about prayer and the power of it. And, you know, when you look through the Bible, you see many, many different occasions where men and women prayed. Where situations came that were far, far bigger than what they could face. And it sent them to their knees. I love the Bible when I look at it because you just see the open cries of people facing huge situations, just openly crying to God. You see, sometimes things can get so hard and so bad that you don't care who's listening anymore. You lose all your pride. You lose all your dignity. And you just throw caution to the wind and you just let it all out. Those are the prayers that avail much. Those are the prayers that God takes hold of and answers. And there are lots of occasions in the Bible where you see people facing insurmountable odds, where you see people facing huge situations of life. But because they connected with God, because they ran to Him, God brought wonderful, wonderful deliverance. The week before last, we began to look at a parable in Luke chapter 18 that Jesus began to teach his disciples. And it was all about prayer. And he makes an opening statement in, in Luke 18 verse 1. And it's an, it's an amazing statement. And if you don't get anything else this morning, carry this in your heart. If you don't go away with anything that I say, don't worry about what I say. Listen to what God says. Listen to how Jesus instructs you regarding your life. Don't worry about, you know, all of the stuff that I'm saying because it counts for nothing, friends. But when you take the word of God and you lay hold of it, I tell you now, you'll see power in it. I remember reading this for the first time when I was a young man. It's never failed me. Never once. I remember looking at this verse and thinking, my God, there's, there's hope for my life. My God, there's hope for my future. My God, no matter what the impossible situations are that face me, I know that there's a way through by prayer because Jesus assures me that there is. Look at this simple statement that he makes. He knew that there were tremendous challenges ahead of his disciples. He knew that there would be tremendous challenges ahead of his people, the church. And yet he offers us this wonderful line of instruction. If we are wise, we will heed it. If we are wise, we will take hold of it. If we are wise, we will see it as an exceedingly great and precious promise to our lives. He says, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Things in life come, circumstances come, situations change, 
life can grab you by the scruff of the neck like a bully and hound you. There's a very real enemy. There's a target sometimes on our back. That fear, those old addictions, whatever they are, friends, they can come at you suddenly and you're enjoying a moment of freedom and then suddenly it holds you up by the throat and it says, I'm here again. What are you going to do about me? And there's some people in this place this morning and you feel like that. Circumstance holding you by the neck. Fear holding you by the neck. Depression holding you by the neck. That old addiction that you thought was crucified and buried when you went through the waters of baptism, it's got you by the neck again. Or that emptiness, or that insecurity, or that loneliness, or that issue in your marriage got you by the neck. I'm here again. What are you going to do? And it's a chokehold. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Oh, I tell you something now, that hand is going to come off your neck. And I tell you now, that, that aggressive opponent is coming under your foot. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm telling you now by the Spirit of God. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. And it is not our ability. We are weak. We are weak, we are poor, we are unable to deal with these great pressures that come our way. But as we cry to the Lord, as we place our attention on Him, you will see Him do wonderful things. And that thing will have to go. It'll have to leave. I remember as a young man, going through numerous spiritual experiences in the middle of the night, and evil spirits coming into my room, and I had no power to deal with them. My body completely shut down. I was in another realm, and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you now, when, when you're up against it in that kind of realm, there's only one name that demonic power respects. There's only one name that demonic power bows to. And it ain't my name or the Bible school I went to in South Africa, friends. It's none other than the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And even though my body was shut down and I was fearful, I couldn't even open my mouth or my eyes. I was completely captivated. My spirit stood up, ready for it, ready for it. Body shut down, flesh had nothing to offer. Intelligence, well, there wasn't much of that anyway. But my spirit, you see, the Holy Spirit lives in you, friend. The Holy Ghost, you are the temple. The Bible, one, of, one of the apostles said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He lives in you. And I know your mind and your soul and your emotions most of the time dominate and communicate and they send out a message where you think that God isn't there. But I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit lives in you and when a challenge comes, he stands up and those, those evil, wicked presence and, and demonic voices, my spirit stood up and I calmly said, the blood of Jesus is against you. Oh man, they hate that. They hate the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you now, there's, there's real powers at work 
in our land, in our cities. And I'm telling you now, it's not just physical decisions and a physical realm that we can see and experience with our senses. There's another realm at work, a supernatural realm. And we have authority and access and dominion in that realm as the church of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you now, we are not at the back of the queue when it comes to saving a nation, when it comes to shaping a nation, when it comes to influencing a nation. We're at the front of the queue, friends, because we go into the presence of God and we can change things in this land. We really can. Those things went, man. They bowed. They bowed the knee. And I thought, Lord, thank you. Several times, different ways. Every single time, every single time, they bowed the knee. Jesus casually said to his disciples, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Think about the times where Jesus has answered your prayer. Think about the moments where you've cried to him and suddenly he's come and he's done a miracle and he's done something that, that is beyond what you could have asked or thought. I remember one, one occasion, Richard will testify of this. Give everybody a little wave, Rich. <laughs> there he is. Me and Richard, early days of Jesus Cares, we were driving this beat-up yellow van. Oh, it was beat-up, Rich, wasn't it? It was badly beat-up. And one day we were on our way to St. Melons. It was loaded up with hampers, and we were out there delivering. And... Um, we got to a roundabout in St. Malins, and this van was making all kinds of noises and squeaks and splutters. And Richard looked at me, and he said, my God, we need to believe Jesus for a new van, Dave. I said, well, what's wrong with this one, Rich? And his little eyes just sank. And he made a couple of groans. He said, we need to believe God for a new van. Do you know what? Suddenly, you see, this can just happen in just the normal course of daily experience. You haven't got to have this big, massive event, this big, massive, you know, advertisement that you're going to meet and wait on God and all the... No, no. No, the Spirit's spontaneous. Jesus never did that. He just walked through the highways and byways of life. And suddenly, as he, you know, he never had any structure. Try and check Jesus' timetable out. He didn't have one. Where was his filofax? Where was his organizer? No, he didn't have one. He just moved with the Spirit and listened to the Father and then did the will of God and saw the power of God. You don't need this big event for God to meet you. He met two men in a beat-up old van that was squeaking and spluttering. As soon as he said that, the presence of God came into that van and I had, this is the only way that I can describe it, an open eye vision. He had it the same. I, I turned to him, I said, my God, Rich, we're going to have a Mercedes Sprinter. He said, I know, I just seen it as well. I said, Rich, I saw this big Mercedes badge, right? It was the oddest experience, right? He saw it as well. I said, come on, let's agree. 
Let's agree that Jesus is going to give us a Mercedes Sprinter. We agreed right there and then. Today, we got two Sprinters. You see, it starts as a simple, it starts as a simple declaration of faith. A, a raw, rugged prayer that sounds so common. So out, unordered. In, in such an unspectacular moment out there driving a beat-up old van, and suddenly we began to believe what God was showing us, and we agreed with it, and today we've got two, two sprinters. Two sprinters. I remember another t- on another occasion, my, my uh, mum's neighbour, she was diagnosed with cancer. She had four weeks to live. And um, my mum came, and she was, you know, she, she was concerned. And we began to pray. And we prayed hard for that lady. Four weeks to live. The clock was ticking. And the the whole home was in disarray. Her husband was obviously devastated. Her children were too. We began to pray. We began to pray. Do you know what? That lady is still alive today. And that's, hey, that's, that's probably 15 years later, mind 15 years later, God answered prayer. God did something amazing. God did something unusual. And I'm sure if we went across this, this, this hall this morning, we would be able, all of us, to recount many prayers that have been prayed and God has answered them and been faithful. God is inviting us all to come to him and to involve him, and to pray before him, and to bring our needs to him, because he wants to answer them. He wants to show us his power. He wants to bring us the answer that we're asking. There's a story in, in the Old Testament about Elisha the prophet. One of my favorite stories And the king of Assyria, or Syria, was very angry with Elisha, God's servant. And he decided to send an army to capture Elisha. And he discovered that Elisha was staying in a city called Dotham. So he sends this huge army to surround the city at night. And Elisha is sleeping. He knows nothing about the situation. Let me read it to you. 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 14 to 17. Therefore, the king of Syria sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered. Now this is Elisha answering his fearful servant. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Elisha prayed and said, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes 
Then the Lord opened his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Incredible testimony. It happened. It's written about and recorded in the Bible to encourage every one of us regarding prayer. It matters not what the situation is. If God is on your side, you're going to come on through. It matters not what, what is happening in your life externally. If God is for you, who can be against you? Paul said this in Romans 8. What shall we say concerning these things? The things that he was talking about were all of the issues and the persecutions and the trouble, the conflict, the crisis that was facing him pressing him the church was under terrific pressure his life was under terrific pressure as he was trying to take the gospel message forward and then he, he throws his head back in utter contempt for everything that life was doing and he said this what shall I say concerning this these troubles these conflicts these persecutions all of these murderous threats that are coming against me as I visit city after city spreading the gospel what shall I say concerning these things and then he comes out with this incredible amazing statement if God is for me who shall be against me what an interpretation about life what an understanding about God what an assurance of faith immovable fast anchored on the rock Christ Jesus that's the kind of life that's in your spirit church really is what shall we say concerning these things Smith Wigglesworth, a great preacher, was one day preaching in a church and a man walks in, in the midst of his sermon and he's preaching about faith and he said, Mr. Wigglesworth, in front of everybody, you're preaching about faith, you're not living it. You're not living this message that you're preaching to God's people. He's, and he held in his hand a handful of unpaid bills that Smith Wigglesworth owed. He, he said, look at all these bills. You're preaching about faith. God hasn't answered your cries and your prayers. Look at all of these unpaid bills. Wigglesworth in true Wigglesworth style with boldness of faith said, give me those bills. The man came, handed the bills to him and he threw them in utter contempt behind his back and said to everybody, that is not my problem. <laughs> and carried on preaching. You see, the man's eyes was open. The man's spirit was alive. The man realized the great and exceedingly precious promises were his portion. He laid claim on the word of God to be his source of strength and his rich provision in every need of life before the service finished. Another man ran in who had not heard or was aware of any of the, event, of, of the events that had happened that morning in the service. And he said, Mr. Wigglesworth, I've come here today because God has told me and instructed me to come here to give you this money. And it was the exact amount for every bill that he had thrown behind his back. 
God honors faith. God honors trust. He doesn't honor stupidity. But I'm telling you now, when you hook up to his word, when you believe the promises of God, and when you pray and not faint or cave in, he will answer his, his children speedily, Jesus said. Will not God answer his children who cry to him day and night speedily? Maybe we've been living with our spirit shut. Maybe we've been living with our mouth shut. Maybe we've lost our excitement and our energy in this area to commune with God. I'm telling you now, ask the Holy Spirit to kindle a flame. Ask the Holy Spirit to revive your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to take the embers and make them a blazing fire. He can. He really can. The city was surrounded. The man of God was sleeping fast. The servant goes out not knowing that there was another realm available. Not knowing that there was another realm that the prophet had access to. Looked with his eyes. Ran back in. What are we going to do? Well, you ain't going to do much. If an army from Syria is surrounding the city, are you? But that's the question of fear. What are you going to do with this, with this report from the doctor? What are you going to do with this, this bill that you can't pay? What are you going to do with this de depression, with this fear, with this vice-like hold around your neck saying, I'm back again and I'm not going anywhere. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to pray. Your eyes are going to get opened and you're going to see that those who are for you are far more than those who are against you. Sorry for spitting. Come on, church. Let your spirit get revived. Let your expectation go through the roof. Let's not listen to that lowly level voice that wants to ground us down to this world and to the circumstances and the experiences that we were once part of. Tell you now. God wants to save a nation. God wants to go through every town, every community, every village, every city. He wants to go by his spirit through his church. For the church again to become a blazing light. For the church again to become the hope of the nations. For the church again to become the answer where all of the world flow into as the glory of God covers the earth, as the waters cover the sea. I'm telling you now we have access, not just physical access to, to a, you know, a world system. We have access to another realm. Access to another realm. Just before Christmas, Daniel came home so excited about what the, organi the Gideon organization does in the world. And he began to read the story about how the founder made a promise to his mother on her deathbed that he would read the Bible every day. As a young man, he, he looked at his mother dying, and he made her that promise. And that promise became a blazing fire within his heart, and he met a man in a hotel room. You see, once you make a commitment to God, God sees it, God hears it. And you, you start sometimes on a strange course, on a strange journey toward greatness, towards the plan that he has for you. You're not born, church, 
to live just a, a normal get-by life. You're born for greatness. You're born for significance. You are born to do the work and the will of the Father. You are born to bring the kingdom of God into this dark world to glorify the name of Jesus. You're not born just to sit down and sing songs. Awesome, wonderful. I love every minute of it. We don't forsake the assembling of the saints together like the scripture declares. But we are born to go out into a world to minister healing, to bring hope to the broken, to bring wholeness to every part of society as his body a young man met another young man with the same desire for the word of God and suddenly the Holy Spirit began to connect them and to do things until they became known as the Gideon society and that society that society has an incredible vision of putting Bibles all over the world in the most isolated of places incredible and I began to listen to Daniel and see the fire that was inside him and the excitement. And I thought, oh, I, I've read the Gideon Bible on lots of occasions, the New Testament. I've used the index at the front when I've been feeling, feeling fearful, depressed, anxious, need healing in my body. I've gone to that little index and it's got a little scripture reference, verse reference by it. And I've quickly scoured the pages to find it, and it's brought me great blessing. And I began to ask the Lord. I even went on their website. How can we get Gideon Bibles? How? And there was, this, there was this prayer inside me revolving around, how can we get Gideon Bibles? Lord, you see, I've learned this. I can try and make situations happen. I can try and force doors. I can try and do what I want to do, but there's nothing like doing what Jesus has instructed me to do, where he said, don't be like the hypocrites who pray out in the open, wanting to be heard for their many words. Go into your closet, Dave, close the door, and your father who sees in secret and who is in secret knows your need before you ask it and will reward you openly. The secret of prayer is praying in secret, friends. It's simple. Not announcing it publicly before everybody and everybody, but just going into the closet and asking him, well, this little aroma stuff, I'd love Gideon Bibles, Lord. And there was all the ways in which I could hook, hook up with them on the internet. I thought, no, I'm not doing that. Well, this week, guess what? We had a call from the local Gideon representative. Hallelujah. I wonder how that happened. I don't know. I mean, is it coincidence? Who knows? The, the local Gideon, I mean, man, I'm on my bike taking the call, going up the canal, crying my eyes out. Oh, you did it, Jesus. You did it, Jesus. You listened to my prayer. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, it says. That's what it says. Yeah, your promises are great, exceedingly great towards me. I believe them, Lord. I believe your eye is on Dave Edwards. I believe that your, your ears are open to my prayers, Lord. And the only limitation that you've got regarding my life is the limitation of, of the prayers that I pray. But I'm telling you now, you pray big prayers, you get big answers. You pray small prayers, you get small answers, but answers you will get, church. I tell you something now, no matter what it is, no matter what you need, take it to the Lord in prayer. 
My God, he's awesome. He's ready to act. He's ready. He's ready to do it. Are you going to back off? Good. Yeah. Don't back off. Run into his presence. Run in. Yeah, so we, the lady said to me, she said, would it be okay if we, if we sent some of the Gideons, some of the, the, the directors down to visit the church? I said, you know what? What a great idea. That'd be fantastic. It'd be awesome. So who knows? Who knows what he's going to do there? But we trust him and we pray. You see, when you pray, your eyes are opened. What can we do? We can pray. The only thing that Elisha needed to do when that young man came running in was to pray a prayer for the eyes of his young servant. Open his eyes, Lord. And the Lord answered the prayer of a prophet. And he opened the eyes of a young man to see no longer the army that was surrounding the city, but to see the host of the angels of God, the innumerable company that were there to aid the prophet and his servant. You can read it when you go home. 2 Kings chapter 6. God did incredible things. And Elisha went free. Amen. I'm going to ask Joe to come. The musicians to come. We're going to close in just a few moments. The Holy Spirit is ready to do incredible things. He's ready to do incredible things. No flesh is going to glory in his presence. He's coming in great power. Your eyes are going to be amazed at what you see. Your ears are going to be amazed at what you hear. No superstars, only Jesus. That stuff, right, has long gone, friends. We don't need it anymore. Fed up to it. I'm fed up with it. We don't need that anymore. I tell you, we need Jesus Christ to stand in the center and be everything he is to people. Because we can't do anything. Only he can and he will. He doesn't hold it back. He releases. He releases. He dispenses his grace. He dispenses his goodness. He doesn't withhold deliverance. And right now, I'm telling you now, that hand is coming off your life. It's coming off your throat. That black cloud that's been in your attitude, it goes now in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you. You haven't got to go running around the place and whatever. It's just gone. I'm telling you. Because I am declaring it by the Holy Ghost. Right? The people of God are free. You are going to be free 
to do everything that God has called you to do in this place. You are going to be free. You're going to know a new freedom. You're going to know a new power. You're going to know a new ability. You will run. The, you know, exceedingly great and pro precious promises are yours. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not grow faint. You will rise up with wings as of eagles and fly as he's called you to. Amen? Close our eyes a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your people today. And there are so many words that are in our world. There are so many voices that come our way to distract us. And they come with their, their message. They come with their agenda. They come with their motivation to alter our course. But Lord, again today, we stable ourselves in your word. Where you say that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. We ought always to pray and not faint. And we thank you. We thank you as we bring our needs to you. We thank you as we bring this city to you and this nation to you. We thank you. We, are, we will not faint. We will not back down. We will not run away from what you have called us to do. But we will be faithful and find our refuge in you. Now, while you're here this morning, while eyes are closed in this moment, maybe today, You've never asked Jesus into your life. Listen, you don't have to wait another moment. You don't have to wait another day. Carrying your lonely heart, your confused mind through life, trying to make ends meet with the experiences that you get. Listen, Jesus will be your savior, your friend, the person that will never leave you or forsake you, the one that will be there every minute of the day, even when you're not here. He'll be with you in the night hour to comfort you. What an offer. What a promise. And maybe today you're here for the first time or you've been coming a number of weeks and you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your, into your life. Listen, I know I've been passionate, but... I've only been passionate because God loves you so much and he wants you to connect with him. And this morning, you're ready to pray a prayer with me right now. You're ready. You're ready. I want you to whisper this prayer in your heart today. You say, Dave, I'm ready to ask Jesus into my heart to move over from the driving seat to the passenger seat and just allow his hands to take control. Pray this prayer with me right now, asking Jesus into your heart. You're going to get peace right now. You're going to feel, right. in fact, right now you are feeling his love and his presence on your body, over your mind. That's it. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the one that sets you free. And even though you may have even dabbled with the occult, hey, it's no big deal to God, the occult. Witchcraft. Nothing stands before him. He is Lord. 
That stuff may be haunting you, that old stuff that you've dabbled with. I'm telling you now, in the name of Jesus, it goes now. In the name of Jesus, it bows. You're not going to hear those voices anymore. They've got no right. They've got no access to your life. You're a child of the King. You're a child of God. And even that that sin that you were once involved with that causes you to feel guilty comes up in your mind to remind you and haunt you. Pictures come up. I'm telling you now, it goes in Jesus' name. Today is the end of it. No more power in your life. You're a child of the King. You're righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's God's word to you. So I'm going to pray right now. You're going to pray this prayer for the first time. Pray this, something like this. I just want to help you say, Jesus, I ask you right now, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you that it would not hold me anymore back from knowing you I believe you died for me on the cross I believe you rose again from the grave and right now as I realize this and believe it I give my life to you as you gave your life for me while eyes are closed if you prayed that prayer would you quickly slip your hand up I'll see it And then you can put it down. That's it. That's it. Well done, guys. Is there anybody else? You prayed that prayer this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful to see Alan and Caroline and Marlin putting their hands up. Absolutely fantastic. They've already given their lives to Jesus. But isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? I tell you what, I put my hand up every week. He's awesome. He's awesome. But maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time today. And the Bible doesn't say, put your hand up and you shall be saved. We just do that to help you. Maybe you were a little nervous putting your hand up. It's absolutely fine. Just keep coming. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It doesn't say, put your hand up. But we just want to help you, pray for you, give you a Bible. But if you didn't put your hand up, it's absolutely fine. If you called on his name, you're saved. Isn't that great? Absolutely fantastic. Church, stand to your feet. Let's give him praise this morning. We're going to sing as we close. Honor his name. We ought always to pray. Never lose heart. He is for us. He is not against us. The Lord is on our side. Come on, church. 